This episode is sponsored by DomesticShelters.org. Domestic Shelters makes finding the right shelter and information about domestic violence easier. They have verified information on shelters and domestic violence programs throughout the country to aid selection based on location, service, and language needs. If you are a friend and suffering from physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, or verbal abuse, this service can help. Find 24-hour hotlines in your area, service listings, and helpful articles on domestic violence statistics, signs and cycles of abuse, housing services, emergency services, legal and financial services, as well as support groups for women, children, and families. Visit DomesticShelters.org. On this episode, we have Clarissa Burt. Clarissa began her career in modeling, gracing the cover of leading magazines such as Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, and Cosmopolitan, while participating in runway shows and becoming the face of Orlane Cosmetics. She then turned to production, where she staged the Miss Universe pageant in Italy, appeared in movies, and authored books. She has been involved with nonprofits, including Walking Africa, where as ambassador for the U.S., she was instrumental in their winning the Nobel Peace Prize. She's also a director of One World Filter and recently launched In the Limelight, an online multimedia platform. Clarissa, thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, it's so great to be here. You guys, you know, all I need is a microphone and I'm a really happy person. Wonderful. (laughs) Glad to see you happy. (laughs) Just give me a microphone. We're good. We're good. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Clarissa, you were born in Philadelphia. And uh, how long did you live there? You know, I just think it's an extraordinary city, but I used to go into the city a lot when my grandmother worked at Wanamaker's, uh, oh, which sure. is no longer there. It was bought out by Macy's. If we if we were allowed when we got older to walk around the store by ourselves and whatever, we always met back under the Eagle, which was kind of really cool. And so, um, uh, well, the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Nice. That's a great story. Um, so high school in New Jersey. And then you did you move to Manhattan with uh, a modeling agency contract? No contract quite yet. So I moved in, uh, into uh, New York City when I was still administrative assistant to the executive vice president of Adolfo Menswear. Uh-huh. So Adolfo Menswear was doing really well at the time. And I was down in the garment district on 23rd Street between 6th and 7th. And I used to come in every day from New Jersey and be at my desk by 8.30 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, so that I could be in the, I just wanted to be in the city in the worst way. And so I, I woke up every morning at about quarter after five to make that happen. I got home every night at about 30 uh, and I did it all over again. And I did that for a little over a year. Wow. Then I was, I, I started looking for modeling agencies and I was taken by Wilhelmina and Elite. And I chose Wilhelmina and that was in 1983, I guess two, something like that. And, uh, and the rest is history. I went over to Paris first uh, for a year, and then I went over to um, to Milan, and I stayed in Italy for almost 30 years. Amazing. Uh, when you were growing up in high school and so forth, did you have the instinct or the impulse or the thinking that you would go into modeling? You always knew. Well, uh, you know, whenever I used to love to watch, you know, the movies that we had back in the day, you know, I was so enamored with Rita Hayworth and Ava Gardner. I just thought that they were the most beautiful women on the face of the earth, and they were they were beautiful and they danced and they sang and they did all these fabulous things. That's great. Um, What was it that took you to Paris? Was it a modeling job? And then it was a modeling agency. Yep. They, Wilhelmina had hooked me up in uh, Paris and I went 
Uh, and then when I came back to New York, I don't know, one Christmas or something, I forget what it was, I went into the agency and said, you know, I really would like to try Italy this next time. I, I really don't want to go back to Paris. Wow. And that was it. I mean, the minute I stepped foot into Italy, I knew in my heart that that's really where I wanted to be. Uh, and again, 30 years there, I became an, the call to Italy was the warmth of the people. Yeah. The call to Italy yeah. was the beauty of the country. Um, and, uh, and I, I just felt, you know, really much more at home there somehow. Okay. Uh, okay. Milan was, you know, great for the modeling years, but Rome was, you know, they call Rome the la mamma, you know, Rome is a mother. And yeah, every time yeah. you come back, you go back to mom and, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and her arms and her hug. Yeah. And, um, it's also called the eternal city called the eternal city yeah that's that's how it kind of all went down for me so you were living in in milan first and then rome yep okay and you obviously had a very wi wildly successful career as a model you were on the cover of leading magazines harper's bazaar vogue cosmopolitan i mean the list goes on and on yeah and you were doing runway shows as well and this morning when i was interviewing the um the italian ambassador the the, uh, the Italian ambassador to the United States, Washington D.C., and I was interviewing him, and he was in this you know very stately atmosphere, and and um, he had you know the flags behind him, and I and I pulled out my Italian flag and my American flag, and I said, you know, ambassador, you're not the only one that has the flags, and we just had such a laugh. It was so fun because I have my Italian flag and my little it's plastic, you know, and my American flags, which I have many of, and you know. Uh, these were given to me by the Italians. Yeah, they were given to me by the Italians uh, during 9-11. I mean, they gave me a whole oh, bunch wow. of them, you know. Nice. Anyway, it was great. I, I, we, I just busted a little bit. I was teasing the ambassador about the flags yeah. behind him and pulled out my own, so. No, that's great. Um, before we leave your modeling years, um, what are some memorable moments or experiences from that time? Um, you know, the when you get your first cover, I mean, it's always an extraordinary experience. My first cover is over here on the wall, but it is a bizarre cover. Uh, Cosmopolitan covers, Vogue covers. Um, I don't really remember them all because it's quite a while ago. But, you know, when the cover, when you get into cover, that's amazing. When I would walk it into, into Bloomingdale's in New York City and see my face all over the counter of Orlane Cosmetics, that was another really extraordinary moment. And as far as as the uh, the catwalk went or the runway went, it was uh, the fiftieth, uh, uh, the twenty um, fifth anniversary of Valentino in Piazza Mignanelli outside, and live television everywhere. Yeah. And you know, he only chooses about twenty girls. That's it. You know, that's the top twenty girls in the world. I mean, that mm -hmm. he brings in. So. I was really, uh, I, I, that was, I'll never forget. That was a real, that was really important. And I had just started, I was just starting out. So, so uh, I was totally wide eyed and, and, and my knees were, you know, knocking together. I was so nervous, but, but it went off. It went really well. And uh, those, I think, are, I, if I had to say, are some of the most, uh, as far as modeling goes, yeah. some of the moments that I remember the most. Okay, great. No, thanks for sharing that. And then um, you went into to media. You launched a company called Newman. I did. It was Newman International. Newman is the Latin word for close to God or godlike. Wow. Um, and nice. so I wanted, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure 
I have Newman International. I have these things hanging up somewhere. I can't remember where they all are. Pretty sure if I remember correctly, it was it was close to God or, or something along those lines. And um, Newman International was my first foray into, in, into uh, producing my own television shows. And I took uh, the Miss Universe pageant as my first gig. Now, obviously it was a global brand. It was owned by Donald Trump at the time. Right. And not that I know that I don't know him, but it was owned by him at the time. And I, uh, I produced, um, that was not meant to be any kind of political statement, right or left. It was just, I did not know him at the time. I was going to ask you about that because I did see that he had owned it at the time. Oh, I just, he just owned yeah. it. I never, yeah. and so that happened. And I would, you know, I used to do the three hour live broadcasts in prime time. Uh, on Italian television for the final Miss Universe. And by the way, they went on all year long. And there was the preliminaries, and then there was the semifinals, and then the finals on live television. I actually did have an anaphylactic shock during the oh, live no. uh, behind the scenes. And but before we found out that I couldn't eat gluten, and I don't know if you can see behind me, those are my gluten-free yeah. books that Into I did. The books that you did. Yeah, those are my oh, books. One's in Italian. This is the Italian version. That's the Italian version, and that's the American version right there. <laughs> but it's called uh, Italian Gluten-Free Gastronomy Cookbook. Oh, and yeah. uh, and so no more anaphylactic shocks, I'm happy to report. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah it, was, uh, it, it was an interesting time for sure. And I love it. I love production of all, all kinds. I love the lights, and I love the cameras, and I love interviewing people, and I love having a good time because um, this, to me, is fun. And it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I try never to make an interview boring. You know, it's always got to be, there's got to be some, like, you know, who the heck pulls out two flags and goes like this to the ambassador? I, I don't know who I did. Sometimes you have to, just got to take a risk, you know, you got to take the risk. No, and sometimes you risk looking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, you know, I wanted to ask you, I'm very curious about um, uh, the Miss Universe pageant, and I know that um, it's it's rigorous, and there are a lot of questions that are asked, and they are looking for well-rounded candidates. Um, from your perspective, Clarissa, what does it take to be a good Miss Universe? Right. Well, first of all, I haven't, you know, I was never a pageant girl myself. And I took on the Miss Universe pageant as a producer more than anything. So, you know, and I haven't, I was, I've been out of that since 2005. Um, but, and, you know, to be a Miss, a, a good representative of any kind, you know, I think that you have to be, you have to be certainly gracious and you have to have a certain amount of intelligence. I think that class goes a very long way and when i say intelligence i mean you know very well versed in what in what it is that is important to you and, and to others um platforms are very important you know what it is that you're going to do with your tenure while you are uh honored uh with uh, bestowed this honor uh and uh and and that's really really important you have to have a good sense of what it's what it's like to um to be with people to be around people because not everybody is going to love you you know and so you have to be able to handle a kind of in in a moment's notice uh, a lot of different uh, qualities for sure as you're traveling during the year and um and know that um it doesn't last forever and that you know you have your that special year and it's just it's a launching pad yeah you know Clarissa, a lot of those attributes you described feel like they would be great for an entrepreneur to be successful 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really feel as though, you know, first of all, as an entrepreneur, which I never was, I was really um, learning as I was going the, the, the entrepreneurial part. But I, you know, I always, I just had to show up. I had an agent. I showed up. I did my work. I left. I went home. That was all I really had to do. I didn't know what a marketing funnel. Well, I didn't know what marketing was really. What's the difference between marketing and merchandising? To me, it was all one big, you know, uh, one world, an awful lot of things that I did have to learn once I decided to go into, you know, into business for myself. And there are many different uh, facets, obviously. You have to wear a lot of different hats and be pretty darn good at every one of them. Yes, you can hire your weaknesses, but you better not have too many of them because I feel as though the more people you give your business to, the more it becomes diluted. Uh, and some people along the way lose the lose sight of the fact that you are the boss and it is your business. Um, I've had that happen, you know, a couple of times along the way where people, you know, didn't, uh, didn't, not everybody stayed in their lane. And, um, and so, and you know, my people skills aren't the greatest. I really try a seam. It doesn't feel like it's true. I think you're being humble. Well, I will just be sure to keep a microphone with me handy at all times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do try, honestly. I try uh, to, um, to, but, but people are, I think people are my, they're really my greatest challenge. Not relationships per se, because, I, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm much more cautious than I used to be about who, who gets into, I don't want to say the inner circle, but who gets, you know, close to me, whether sure. it be family or friends or, or, or working relationships. But um, you really have to, especially, I think more now more than ever, I think now more than ever, because the world has changed yeah. and people yeah. have changed along with it. Uh, the fact that we are all so accessible one to the other, thanks to the internet, um, doesn't leave much to the imagination. And, uh, and it gives you uh, so much insight into uh, what it is most people want you to know about yeah. them, but yeah. it may not always be the truth. True. Yeah. Uh, there is that element that's so, so accurate. Um, so at, at 30, you began acting again. Share with us some of those experiences. It started out on Italian television. Yeah, I did the Never Ending Story. That's, that's that one. That, see it? That poster on the wall? Yes. There uh, I am right there. That's me uh -huh. right there. That's right. Your, your role was uh, Saida. We shot it in Germany in the summer of 1989 in Munich in, uh, in large sound studios. It was in July and August and it was hot and humid. And yeah. the two costumes that I had were really heavy. But it was one of the, that was really one of the coolest things I've ever done. And the only movie that I ever did that went worldwide. Mm -hmm. So it was translated into 17 different movies. Um, uh, the young boy, Jonathan Brandis, that was the blonde in there is no longer with us. He committed suicide some time ago, oh, wow. um, some years ago. And then, um, and then Kenny Morrison is still out in Los Angeles somewhere. And I'm not quite sure the business he's in now, but it's got cult status. It's got good yes, cult really status. Does. I've got people that have sent me, uh, they, they painted the side of their vans. I don't know if I have <laughs> that around. Painted the side of their van with Zaida and, you know, um, there's all kinds of Zaida stuff that, you know, people that, people have sent me and uh there's a lot of stuff online too a lot of different clubs and fan clubs gotcha well and so um after how many years did you move you moved back to new york after italy correct or i've been came, back here 
I moved here to Phoenix after Italy. So I left Italy in July of 2005. So it's almost 15 years now that I've been back. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona to be close to all of my, the maternal side of my family is here. My grandmother was in her last years. So I wanted to stay grandmother Clarissa. So I stayed very, very close by for her and her as she was. Yeah. I'm the fifth generation actually. So my mother is Clarissa as well. Yeah. And my great grandmother and my great, great grandmother. They wow. used to be back there somewhere. Yeah. That's so, uh, yeah. And um, so that happened. And uh, then grandmom passed. My sister at the time also had, had had, you know, she had four small children. So it was just time for me to be here and be home and be helping out and babysitting the kids and taking yeah. my grandmother, you know, to, uh, to, uh, you know, the supermarket and you know, all that sort of fun stuff. When I first got home in, in the limelight started a year ago. So uh, when I got home, I didn't know anyone here. You know, I seem, I didn't know anybody here, anybody. So I spent years and years and years going to different networking events and passing out business cards that really didn't have a business behind them. Just sort of saying, Hey, I'm here. And you know, I'm, I'm in media, but you know, that sort of thing. So I'm really excited about the fact that, you know, in the limelight, Intelligent Media for the Safi Entrepreneur. Uh, We've got an extraordinary cover coming out June 1st. Um, And uh, yeah, we're taking off really well. So I'm excited about, I love media. I just love everything about it. As long as it's good media (laughs) and it's intelligent media. It's not stupid media. Yeah, okay. That's what I meant. You've uh, always been close to to beauty products. Uh, in fact, you had a segment when you were in in Italy called Clarissa Suggests. I had a, yeah, that was that was the morning on the morning show. So it would be you know a little segment where I would have beauty and uh, beauty tips or beauty products that I would uh, pass on to the ladies at home. It was an early you know the early morning show. Um, and I love that. That was really great. I was on Home Shopping Network with my own cream line and more recently on QVC in Italy with a, uh, what was wanted to, it was a clothing line, but it, it and, and we did really well the first time. I mean, we sold everything out. Mm. Um, the people that I was working with that were creating the clothes just couldn't continue to do it. And I can't be in Milan every you know month or two months to sell the clothing online. So that kind of made it a little more difficult for me. Yeah. Um, so we had a great go of it. It was a lot of fun, but I just, it was, it wasn't sustainable, uh, as a business, uh, from the other side of the world. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. Um, but you've remained active in that segment. I, I noticed you have a, a storefront on Amazon that you sort of curated products. Yep. Absolutely. And I, you know, I don't pay much attention to that, but I have, and they are, they're there and they're products that I have either used or that, um, I, uh, I highly recommend, obviously one of them is my book, you know, the gluten free book is in there. Um, so as an influencer on Amazon, I have gone in, uh, when I've had time to, um, just add some of the things I think uh, people need to know about. Um, my focus right now is completely on the media group. Once this is up and running and uh, I've gotten a little bit of help with this, uh, then I'm going to go over to the beauty side and just start. I actually have it on YouTube, the beauty channel, uh, but I haven't dedicated any time to it. And beauty, it means everything. It's just not the most important thing I think is, you know, uh, clean, uh, green, sustainable and non-toxic as far as, as cosmetics go. Uh, we've learned so much about that in the last year and how 
uh, the toxins in our cosmetics, whether they be color cosmetics or creams or shampoos or whatever else, uh, how they are really just very sick. And, uh, and unfortunately in the EU, uh, there's an awful lot of, um, uh, of uh, information, rules, regulations, you know, guides, byline, all kinds of things that there's a Bible this thick in the EU about products that can and cannot be used in cosmetics. Here in the United States, we don't have that, that, uh, the same situation. Yeah. We've got maybe a one page. It was created in 1934, as I understand it. Uh, and it doesn't really, it doesn't regulate much of anything. There are two senators. One is Diane Feinstein. And I'm sorry if I can't remember the name of the other that are lobbying to get, uh, a little bit more in the way of, uh, a lot more by the way, in the way of, um, you know, uh, rules, regulation, um, uh, and the like for uh, cosmetics here in the United States. Yeah. But it's a tough battle. You know, Walmart, Target, everybody's jumping on board. They're all getting it now. So there, there have been more, they've been buying men's that, you know, are representative of a clean, clean and green, uh, non-toxic uh, uh, product. Yeah. So I love to go to the beauty shows, the trade shows. This mm -hmm. is where I get, you know, I glean, I garner a lot of information there. Um, and there are a couple of different, um, like uh, natural products, expo. natural products, X many times as a trade show Cosmoprof I've been to, oh, yeah. there are a couple more out in California. And I, I, you know, I wish I could remember the names of every no, show because I've been show. to so many of them. Yeah. I just can't remember the names of every trade show, but yeah. I try to get to as many of them as I can. The regulatory environment, as you point out, is so fascinating. And it's, it's, it, there are a lot of anachronisms as well. Like, mm -hmm. um, I remember that uh, sunscreen, for whatever reason, in the U.S. is considered a drug, and well, so a lot is. of active ingredients that European yes. manufacturers use, yeah. we can't, they don't use here. Yeah, um, and that seems. And isn't that so funny food. that you? Yeah, and isn't that so funny that you think that you're using sunscreen and you are, um, and you are thinking that you're really protecting yourself from something when, in effect, it's it's highly toxic. And, um, and so, uh, yeah. And so, and these are the things that most consumers don't know. Right. And there are all kinds, by the way, of consumer, you know, cosmetic consumer apps and, um, um, platforms and websites. And I've got a couple of them that I've said, I can't remember the name. It, it's the, um, environmental, Oh, it's my bad. Uh, sorry. I don't remember them mm -hmm. all, but right. I do follow them. And that just means I, you know, I only have memory in, for this much in one day. I can't remember. No, no, completely understandable. But uh, do, you, do you plan to launch your own brand or will you just curate others? That would have to be something that I would do in, in, uh, in, uh, in tandem with another company. Okay. The last couple of times that I have done that, it, the, uh, the idea is, you know, uh, you, you know, it used to be you paid somebody a lot of money to be the face of your uh, and then there was a time when I just said, okay, I get it. After 2008, it was very difficult for some brands to be able to do that. So there, you know, we came to a, an agreement in a different way and, um, and it, and it worked out well. I would love to have right now my own, my own uh, brands um, of things, you know, cosmetics and, and, uh, uh, and the like, but uh, for the moment I don't, and it doesn't mean that it won't happen, but we'll see how that goes. I've noticed this thread in your writing of being drawn to social advocates. You've written a few pieces for Huffington Post. And I uh, saw so there was an article on the reality rally about Gillian Larson and Michelle Watson. 
We also had one about uh, Betsy Wild and Dare to Care and then Barbara Goldberg and Wells Bring Hope. So through my media, uh, what I like to do is give back. And that's the greater good piece. A greater good is volunteering, tithing, paying it forward, you know, paying it back, um, whatever that means to you. And it could be in your own home, it could be in your own community, or it could be globally, nationally, globally, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's just about being able to give back what you can. And I think that, in fact, I know that a lot of people that are in the, that arena of the 501c3 and the charity space don't have a lot of uh, resources, a lot of money to uh, promote. Yeah. because they're using monies in a different way. And uh, so this is my way of being able to step up to the plate and showcase and highlight uh, people that are doing really, really great things uh, from the goodness of the heart for others. So uh, along the way, um, uh, there have been some gals uh, that have crossed my path that were really in need. And whereas I can't save the world, um, sometimes it's okay just to help just help one or yeah. two or you know i mean if you can you know if you can do anything uh, with whatever you can yeah well and i think our dear mutual friend uh, judith ryan and her efforts with one world filter is a great example there of a social advocate who's doing some amazing work yeah well i get to i do get asked to be on you know on a, on boards uh frequently uh, I'm happy to help. I don't need to be on the board, but I was, I, I did accept to, uh, to jump on to One World Filters um, board because I do, I see the vision, I hear the vision, I feel the vision, uh, I see the consequences of this vision um, and the idea that, uh, and I've seen the filter. Uh, I see how it works um, and it's, 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 it's miraculous almost. Uh, many years ago, um, in 2011, I was the ambassador to the United States for a campaign called Walking Africa. And this, this was women, mostly, that had to walk miles and miles and miles and miles with buckets on their heads right. to go and get just some fresh water for their family. And I had seen this firsthand. You know, when I lived in Italy, I was close, you know, obviously close-ish to, um, to Africa. And I had been there many times. And the plight of the African woman was something that I... I, I really, it really struck a chord, you know. Uh, there's an awful lot that a lot of African women, and I don't say all, I say in, in, you know, in these struggling countries, not every country in Africa is struggling, but I think you understand the sure. concept and what I'm saying. And that is, uh, and so uh, I went to speak at European Parliament and I went to meet the caravan of the women there. And, um, and I was really so excited to be a part of this. Of this um, of this campaign, the Walking Africa campaign, it was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize in 2000 and, 2011. Yeah, it was wow. 2011. It's extraordinary, was it? And so we had to wait. Obviously, it was a years long process, and I got the word out, and I was telling everyone about it, and did what I could at the time with the resources that I had, and uh, and um, I called to the you know the people in Italy and said, Hey, how are we doing with the campaign? Oh, Clarissa, you know, what you don't know is that there were up against 211 other candidates for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, listen, uh, I, I'll tell you something. I seem, I think it was the one time in my life when I went, I knew it, like I knew it, like I knew it, like I knew it. And our girls won the Nobel That's Peace amazing. Prize that year. Wow. So yeah, I was 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I was, and it was so well-deserved and I was so thrilled to be a part of that. So, you know, people say, what are you doing? Moments. That was definitely it. it. You know, that yeah. was definitely, yeah, thanks. It was a crowning was a moment highlight. for me. And as I said, I don't jump on many boards. Yeah, I don't jump on many boards, but this one is something that uh, I, I, I felt firsthand. Yeah. I was more involved with, if you will, but just by able, being able, being able to get help uh, people be able to drink clean water. I mean, yeah. what a concept, right? Uh, absolutely. And, and you're right. The, um, the experiences um, are in a wide range in Africa. There are some countries that uh, do well, but there are some where it's just shocking. Like I think it's in Niger where something like one in six, only, only one in six children make it past the age of five. And yeah. I just, it's just, I mean, as a parent in that yeah. Yeah. situation, the expectation that the odds are that this child will not be with you, it's just, it's, yes. it's unbelievable to me. Um, it's, it's, it's not even comprehensible. You, yeah. I mean, we can't wrap our heads around that. Yeah, it's just, it's completely. So simple. something as simple as, you know, something as simple as keeping a body hydrated. Yeah. Uh, because you can live without food for a while. You shouldn't have to, but you can. Physiologically, you can, but you cannot live without water for very long. I love stories like this. Let's talk about In the Limelight. Um, this is a media group you've launched, so it'll be um, a magazine which you've shared about. You have a podcast series, um, and uh, I see In the Limelight TV on the screen behind you. <laughs> So be producing content. content. Yeah, so it's a multimedia platform. I see it's a video, it's a podcast, and a magazine. It's the you know we it's the three touches. And once this is a well-oiled machine, the next step is going to be the events. So I'm going to start the events now uh, on the, online uh, with a webinar. Uh, and my goal my goal is really is to connect uh, women all over the world. Um, and, uh, and I have a, a grand vision of being able to do that and seeing us all back in, in large arenas, uh, I think is one of my greatest dreams. It's just bringing everybody together. Uh, this is, we, we, we just, it's, it's, it's really just about coming together as women and, um, and, uh, and, and just feeling, you know, the power behind that. It's so a question I'd like to ask you, Clarissa, what can men do to be supportive to the women in their lives? Okay, first of all, I think that the best thing that they can do is to teach their sons how to treat women respectfully mm -hmm. uh, and what is and is not acceptable as far as the treatment of women, of girls, of their sisters, of classmates, of whatever that is. So I, you know, I often wonder many times in what I see, you know, I'm, I'm also, uh, my next interview at four o'clock is going to be with domesticshelters.org. And that is an organization that uh, is, um, is helping women in every way, shape or form. Domesticshelters.org is a fabulous website, first off, where a woman can get all the information she will ever need. Uh, all the resources, help, assistance, way, all the ways out, get a plan. And uh, there are about 2,500, sorry, 2,800 uh, shelters all over the United States and some in Canada. I'm glad you've talked about this. It's very important work that this group is doing and I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Clarissa, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much again. So generous with your time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you again so much. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.